Good morning. Let's turn, please, to John chapter 11. Before we get into the passage itself, I have a few questions for you this morning. Uh-oh. Before I do, I need to fix what I just broke. Hang on a second here. That's it, right? Okay. Okay. So John chapter 11, but the question's for you. Have you um, ever prayed, I mean really, really prayed, and yet there seems to be no answer at all? Okay, a couple of answers. A couple of head shaking, yes. Okay. Have you ever looked around at others who have prayed, and you see that God is answering their prayers, and yet God doesn't seem to be answering your prayers. They seem to get instant answers, and you seem to wait and wait and wait. You've watched others as they've brought their needs to the Lord, and the Lord has had mercy on them. He answered their prayers. Have you ever listened to the cries of some who asked for what seems like a very little thing? And then the Lord turns around and answers in a huge way. You ever heard the sick crying out for healing and the Lord has healed them? Or perhaps you've heard a mother plead for her daughter or her son and uh, watched as the Lord touched that child and raised them back to health again. And yet your prayer seems to be unanswered. You may remember a Christian brother who at a Wednesday night prayer meeting said, brothers and sisters, I have a need. Pray for this, would you? And all of the saints prayed together. And then a week or two or three weeks later, the answer is there. And a marvelous answer it was. And we praise the Lord. But there are times when our prayers seem to go unanswered and we wait. And you see, why doesn't the Lord answer all of my prayers right away all the time? Wouldn't it be so much easier if he would just do that? Why must we suffer disappointment? Why must we suffer um, sorrow as we pray over and over and over again. Is there something you're praying for right now? And you've been asking the Lord, you believe that it is, as far as you can tell from the Scripture, it is the will of God. But you still don't have your answer to prayer. Have you come to the Lord, and it seems like all of heaven is silent in response to your prayers? Well, my Pentecostal brothers usually tell me that the reason for unanswered prayer usually has to do with me. It's my lack of faith. Or it's um, unconfessed sin. Or it's an improper motive that I have when I'm asking. could be that I'm out of fellowship with God. Or I'm not schooled in spiritual authority. Or I'm wavering in unbelief. 
or I lack perseverance. And all of those things could be true. That may be the reason that I'm not receiving answers to prayer. And it would be a good spiritual exercise for all of us if we've been praying and our prayers haven't been answered to, to seek the, it, whether those things are true. See what is hindering our prayers. But what if I do have faith? What if I do believe the promises of God? What if I am in fellowship with Him and I've cried out to the Lord for an answer to prayer and still He is silent? What then? Well, I'll tell you this, you're not alone. And for those of you that didn't do this, I know that in reality, you have experienced that. You're in good company. There are many believers, strong believers, who have experienced very long delays in in, uh, answers to prayer. Abraham was promised by God a son, and he had to wait for how many years? He waited 25 years before that answer came. That's a long time to wait. Hannah prayed and prayed and prayed for a child. And God delayed until it was the right time and before answering her prayer. <clears throat> David says this in Psalm 13. You're in good company, brothers and sisters. Listen to what he says. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? That's a man who is troubled in his prayer about not seeing an answer to his prayer. Paul prayed three times to have the thorn in his flesh removed. That is the physical disability that he was given as a messenger from Satan. He prayed three times. And that prayer was never answered. Actually, it was answered, but not the way he expected. It was never removed. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord Jesus prayed, and there was silence from heaven. No one could doubt his sincerity. No one could doubt his faith. No one could doubt his motives. And even in heaven, believe it or not, there are prayers that to this day remain unanswered. In the Bible, it says, in Revelation 6, 9, it says this, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice. This is their prayer. Saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Their prayer is a plea to God to... For justice. For justice. And what is his answer? Wait. Wait a little while longer. Well, our story this morning in John chapter 11 brings us into a scene where there is a great, great need. Someone is dying. Lazarus is dying. And Mary and Martha, his sisters, um, need God's intervention. And they seek it. So let's take a look at it. Two weeks ago, if you remember, we looked at the story of Mary and Martha. And this morning, we want to look at a character study of Lazarus. 
And uh, I want to ask you about this, okay? So if you had the job today to preach a sermon, a character study on the man Lazarus, what would you say? What do we know about Lazarus? What did he say? Well, let's just start there. What did he say? Nothing. (laughs) There's no recorded word of Lazarus at all. And the only deeds or the actions that we have is that he died. He had nothing to do with that. He rose again from the dead. He had nothing to do with that. And he sat down and he ate a meal. That's it. That's all we've got. And yet we're going to do a study on him. Actually, what we're going to do is this. We're going to look at Mary and Martha, part two. Okay, Lazarus just happens to be uh, a bit uh, player here. It's not only hard to do a character study, it's impossible because there's no record of anything he said. And and like I say, only uh, that he sat there and he ate. But the events surrounding the death of Lazarus is what I find so significant, not only for the sisters of Lazarus, but for us as well. And so let's set the stage here. Uh, We'll begin reading in John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. So we'll stop there for a moment. So the story of Lazarus begins. Lazarus, of course, is the brother of Mary and Martha. They're all from Bethany. Bethany is a town, as we said a couple of weeks ago, that is uh, about two miles southeast of Jerusalem. Jesus enjoyed being with this family. You know, if you look at the life of the Lord, it's very interesting. Unlike so many popular people today, preachers and and famous people and that, they seek the crowds. They're looking for attention. Jesus shunned the crowds. There were plenty of crowds around him, but he didn't seek that. He he sought the the privacy of, of a home like Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He enjoyed being with his family. He didn't seek the applause of men, but instead the humble hearts and homes of his people. And Bethany seemed to be a refuge for him, um, not too far from Jerusalem, but not in the city itself. It's also a place where, as we see here in this passage, uh, Mary anointed the Lord with oil and wiped his feet with her hair. Uh, it is also the town where Lazarus died. And interestingly enough, this is the town um, that, where Jesus, after his resurrection, he went out, out to Bethany, and that's where he ascended into heaven, from, from uh, Bethany. It's interesting that in verse 2, John points out Mary's act of worship. He says that this is, it is that Mary uh, who wiped uh, the Lord's feet with her hair. Now, the interesting thing to me is the placement of this comment. Because if you were to have no background in the Scripture whatsoever, and this was your first exposure reading through the book of John, you're going, what? 
What's he talking about? Because the story of Mary wiping Jesus' feet actually doesn't appear until a full chapter later. And yet here it is uh, in this passage. And I wonder, why, did, why, why is it noted here, and yet the story isn't told for another full chapter? Remember what the Lord Jesus said about her act of worship? That wherever the gospel would be preached, this act would be preached alongside it with it. And so the people who are now interested in knowing more about the Lord Jesus already have heard that story. <laughs> that went with the gospel. And so the full details of it come a chapter later. Um, it's that Mary that we're talking about. Now, Sam Wilson, uh, a week ago at the Lord's Supper, pointed something out in the Lord's Supper, and I want you to notice it again. Lazarus was sick, and so Mary and Martha sent word to the Lord Jesus, saying this, Lord, verse 3, but behold, he whom you love is sick. Behold, he whom you love is sick. And then in verse 5 we read, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And then later, when Jesus wept, we read, Then the Jews said, See, how he loved him. See how he loved him. And so if you're troubled this morning about unanswered prayer, and uh, let this truth ring out loud and clear for you today. Jesus loves you. If you're a believer this morning, Jesus loves you. Let that be absolutely clear in your mind. The disciples, if you remember, said and um, others have said too in the scripture, uh, Lord, do you not care? And sometimes when we pray and we're seeking an answer to prayer and it doesn't come the way we expect or when we expect, in our hearts we become troubled and we say, Lord, do you not care? Let this truth be known. Jesus loves you. There was a brilliant uh, uh, scholar a Bible scholar who was asked one day, can you name for us the greatest hymn of all time? And he paused for a moment and he said, yes, I can. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's that simple. How can we ever doubt the love of the Lord Jesus Christ? How can we ever doubt the love of God? When God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't when we were his friends. It wasn't when we were saved, he died to save us. It was when we were his enemies. The greatest demonstration of love that there has ever been was done for you and done for me when we were still sinners. God loves us. God is for us. He is not against us. The scripture is plain about that. If he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? That's what the scripture says. And then to top it off, uh, Paul ransacks heaven and earth and, and everything. And he says this in Romans 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the, uh, for the slaughter. 
Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe that? God loves you. That is without question. And the the same was true for Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And yet, his love did not prevent Lazarus from getting sick. And it was serious. Now, the women did the right thing. They sought help in all the right places. They sought help uh, from the Lord himself. And the one who brought the news said, He whom you love is sick. I don't know if you've ever had news like this, where uh, uh, for about a month, I sat in the uh, hospital room, Bill McDonald's hospital room, in a ward where I would never want to work as a profession. Uh, If I had to be a nurse or a doctor, I would want the happy ward. I wouldn't want the maternity ward, you know, joy and wonderful things happening and kids being born and everybody laughing and joyous. But the ward where he was, it was it was death and gloom. It was terrible. And I watched over and over again over the month how families, the, the news was broken to families that their loved one had died. And it's a horrible scene. It's a terrible scene. And some of them were uh, inconsolable and, and, and crying and screaming out in, um, because of the news that they had received. But the doctor says to a family member, you better call the family together. And you know what that means. Death is imminent. And so the family comes together to, to say their last goodbyes to the one who's dying. And, and Mary and Martha knew that Lazarus was dying. But they also knew that Jesus could heal him. And so the obvious thing to do is get Jesus. Bring him here. He'll heal our brother. Everything will be fine. And of course he would. He's a friend of the family. They knew he loved him um, and, and that he loved Lazarus. He would come quickly. He would heal Lazarus just as he had healed so many others before him. He had healed the blind. He had healed the sick. He had healed the lame. He had given sight to the blind, uh, hearing to the deaf. He had made the mute speak. He had given uh, legs to a, a person to walk again. I mean, the strength in their legs. He could do it all. They had seen it. They had heard it. Now it's Lazarus' turn. But the unthinkable happened. Lazarus died. Jesus did not rush back. And in fact, when he heard the news, as I read, when he heard it, he stayed there two more days. He was in no hurry. He was in no rush. Mary and Martha watched as their brother's illness grew worse. And so the timing of this is probably like this. Jesus was about a day's journey away from Bethany. And so the day that the news went out to to find Jesus, or the person went out to find Jesus, that's probably the day that Lazarus died. Then Jesus heard the news, two more days pass, and a full day to come back to Bethany. That's four days. And by the time Jesus gets there, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. I can see Mary 
She was a very tender-hearted woman, and I can see her wiping the sweat off of Lazarus' brow. I can see her doing that, watching for any signs of improvement. But none came. And I can see Martha. She was a whirlwind of activity. Just maybe if I do this, or maybe if I do that, or you know, I'll cook him some chicken soup. I'll, I'll do this. And I can just see her doing all these things, trying to put it all together, but none of it helped. And I can see them as they watched their brother gasp for his last breath. And he was gone. I don't know if you've ever been um, been to a home where death has occurred or a family where they've lost a loved one. It's very difficult to console people, particularly if they don't know the Lord. But even believers, brothers and sisters, we sorrow. It says that in the Scripture. Not as others who have no hope, but we still sorrow. Why? Because we have lost someone we love. It hurts us. It's better for them if they know the Lord. They're in heaven. Praise the Lord. But it hurts us because we've lost someone that we love. How do you describe the sorrow of seeing one that you love now dead? Death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Death is mankind's enemy. Brought into existence in the day that Adam and Eve took of the forbidden fruit. And constantly chasing down every man and woman and child and winning every time. And now it had captured and it had defeated Lazarus, their brother. And if Jesus had only been there, he would not have died. They knew that. So why hadn't he come? Why hadn't he answered their prayer? Why hadn't he responded to their cries and moved by their tears. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he said to his disciples, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. But Lazarus had died. Whatever could he mean? Finally, after two days, he told his disciples it was time to go to Bethany. They didn't think that was a very good idea. I don't know if you remember the history of what was taking place here, but uh, there had been several attempts uh, at Jesus' life. The, the uh, Jews in Jerusalem were actually seeking him to destroy him, to, to put him to death. And <clears throat> so they didn't think it was a great idea to go back close to Jerusalem, anywhere near. Even two miles away is too close for comfort. And so uh, they, said, um, they said that to the Lord. But then in verse uh, 11, Jesus said, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. How did Jesus know that? He's God, yes. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. So again, from the perspective of the disciples, they're thinking, okay, we're going near Jerusalem. That's it. We've just uh, committed 
suicide here by, by making this trip, or we're going to commit suicide by making this trip. We're going to die. And so Thomas, the <clears throat> doubter, my middle name is Thomas, by the way, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Jesus waited until Lazarus had died on purpose. But he said, I go that I may wake him up. His sickness was not unto death. This must mean that the end result of his sickness was not death itself. And even though he had already died, the final chapter had not been written. There would be glory for God uh, in, in healing Lazarus. That would, be, that would glorify God. And when you say uh, it would bring God glory, it means it would be a demonstration of God's uh, attributes, his character. And so we would see something like if, if he had come and he had healed him, it would be God's kindness. It would be the kindness of God displayed to them. It would be the grace of God displayed to them, the mercy of God, and so on. But something far greater was going to take place. Raising Lazarus from the dead would bring far more glory to God than simply healing him of his sickness. Um, verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. So again, friends and acquaintances had gathered around this very sad scene. They had come to comfort Mary and Martha. It is very difficult to comfort someone who has lost uh, a loved one. We can sympathize, we can empathize, but we can't give them back their loved one. Jesus could. What they really want, we can't give them. Death is a miserable enemy. And as soon as Martha heard Jesus was nearby, she left the house and she went outside the town and she met Jesus on the way. And there she poured out her heart to the Lord and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It was true. It was absolutely true what she said. She had seen and heard all the stories of the people whom Jesus had healed. They had received their answers to prayer, but she had not. She knew that no one ever died in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that? Nowhere is it recorded in Scripture that anyone ever died in the presence of the Lord. She knew that. 
And if only he had come sooner, her brother would still be alive. Martha says to Jesus, but I know even now, if you ask God for something, he will give it to you. God would give it to him. Does that sound funny to you, the way she says it? God will give it to you. Martha is about to learn the true identity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Martha does not seem to recognize at this point who Jesus is. During her, this crisis in her life, Martha is going to discover that Jesus is, in fact, God. He's not just a great man. Um, he's not just uh, like one of the prophets of the Old Testament who could pray and God would answer um, their prayers. But in fact, He is God, manifest in the flesh. It is critical that all of us understand who Jesus Christ is, that we understand clearly the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is none other than God. He begins to teach her. He begins to reveal himself to her. And this is a a wonderful thing. When you stop and think about what's happening here, her focus is that if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. True. Absolutely true. But there's a much greater, a much more important issue at stake. Let's just put Lazarus aside for a minute. Martha, I want you to know who I am. That's really what he's doing here. And so he, he says, um, your brother will rise again. She agreed. She says, of course, I believe that. You know, in the last days, he will rise again. She knew that God was capable of raising the dead and that that would occur in what she calls the last days. True? Yeah, it's true. In the last days, God will raise, all the graves will be open. All of the dead will stand before him. All of the books will be opened and the dead will be judged from those books. Yeah, in the last days, that will happen. There will be a resurrection in the future when all of the dead stand before God and are judged. But there's a resurrection that she knew nothing about. And he explains to her that he who is standing beside her is the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She had never heard that before. It had never been told before. Only God can raise the dead. Only God can resurrect the dead. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. That is a clear statement of his deity. What he is saying is that he is God. And he is the one who will raise the dead to life. That's what he's saying to her. It is something that only God can do. And he was about to show her that he is God by raising Lazarus from the dead. What's the proof? I'll raise Lazarus. That's pretty good proof, I would say, don't you? Then looking far into the future, the Lord speaks about a time when all true believers will be raised up to meet him. 
And Paul explains this in much more detail in Corinthians and in Thessalonians. But here we find the first clue of what is to come. So the next event in prophetic history in our time, date and time here, is the what? The rapture. Okay, what is the rapture? The rapture simply means a snatching away or a, or a snatching up. And really what it is is that all believers, both those who are now dead and those who are living, will rise up to meet the Lord in the air. So Jesus is coming again. And at his second coming, uh, he comes, first of all, to the air. And he uh, shouts, there's a loud shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God. And it says in the scripture that the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those believers who believed when they were living and died, they will rise up to meet the Lord in the air. And we who were alive and remain until the coming of the Lord um, are caught up to meet them in the clouds as well. But not first. They're first, then we come, we follow. But it's split-second difference as far as I can tell. I don't think there's a big delay there. So the Lord is looking forward to that time in the future when all believers will um, be received to himself. And he will come in the clouds, and he won't set foot on earth at that time. And there will be two types of believers that will be snatched up to him. Dead believers that he makes alive, and living believers that are changed. The two types of believers, those who have died, they will rise first. Then we will, uh, who are alive and remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds, First Thessalonians says. So here's the point. People may believe in the Lord and die. And Jesus says, yet shall they live. And people may believe in the Lord and live and still be living when he returns. And Jesus says uh, uh, to them, uh, they, shall, they shall never die. Great. I hope that's me. I hope that's you. I hope it's today when Jesus comes and takes us to himself. Who can do this or who will do this? God himself. And that's what Jesus just explained to Martha. And he says, Martha, do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord. And her expression of faith here is very similar to Peter's. I believe that you are the son of the living God. It's a wonderful testimony of of what she... I believe you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. And this she believed before she saw Lazarus rise from the dead. She believed him for his word's sake. And so what did she do? <laughs> she left Jesus there. And she rushed home to tell Mary about what, was, what had just happened. And verse 28, And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Sound familiar? Same words. 
Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? That's the same question. Lord, if you had just been here, he would not have died. Mary came outside the town and fell at Jesus' feet and said exactly what Mary had said. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, our prayers are not answered the way we expect. Sometimes the answers to our prayer are delayed. Sometimes we go through pain and sorrow when our answers are not when our prayers are not answered as quickly as we expect. But one thing I have found and one thing I see here in this passage is that when the Lord says no or when the Lord says wait, he always has something much better in mind than we ever expect. Sometimes I think we limit God by what we want. I think sometimes our prayers are very, very um, small, very um, much lacking. And yet, I see the same thing with, with Mary and Martha here, that their prayer was, Lord, would you just heal our brother? Just make him better. You say, well, that's a good prayer. Yeah, it's a good prayer. But how much greater is the answer that came than if the answer had come by just healing uh, Lazarus? We pray for the healing of our Lazaruses when it's fully within his power to raise Lazarus from the dead. Paul prayed for healing. And God didn't give him healing. But instead, God gave him grace. And for us, sometimes that may be hard to understand that grace is actually better. But brothers and sisters, what Paul got was so much better than being physically well. Grace. He could have kept Lazarus from dying, but there's more glory for God if he raises him from the dead. Verse 38, Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen the things Jesus did believed in him. Believed in him. Do you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? 
Do you have faith in Him? So I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. I believe. That's good. It's very good. But to be genuine, faith is always tested. Faith is always tested. Martha had just proclaimed Jesus to be the Son of God. She recognized now who He was. And then her faith was tested. Open the grave. Let him out. And she says, oh, Lord, he's going to stink. He's going to stink. Where was her faith then? Would she believe that Jesus is who he says? I am the resurrection and the life. That he would raise Lazarus from the tomb. Would you believe? Had you been Martha? I said Mary. It was Martha. Martha, would you believe? Her concern for the nauseating stench of a decaying corpse exposed her doubts. But, you know, I love the way the Lord Jesus deals with people. He's always encouraging faith. He, it, it says of him that he would not break a bruised reed. He would not quench a smoking flax. The idea there is that as small as the faith might be, as near dead as it may be, he's going to bring it back to life and to strength. And that's really what he's doing here with Martha. He's, he's saying, okay, you said you believe who I am. You said with your words, now believe that I will raise him from the dead and you will see the glory of God. You will see God glorified in a way that you never expected. You expected to see God glorified by me simply healing him but I'm going to raise him from the dead. Would you believe? And as he, here he is, he's pausing, if you notice this, in the middle of raising Lazarus from the dead so he can deal with this saint to encourage her in her faith. It's wonderful. Encouraging Martha to believe in him, not only for Martha's sake, but for our sake as well. He prayed thanking the Father for hearing his prayer and he raised Lazarus from the grave. Martha believed, and it says, so did many um, who had come to comfort uh, Mary and Martha that day. They also believed. Many of the Jews also believed. Are you troubled and concerned about your prayers not being answered? If Jesus can raise the dead... Don't you think he can answer your prayers? <clears throat> he can certainly take care of our troubles. Oftentimes, what seems to be looming in our hearts and in our lives is really a, a minor inconvenience. They face the death of their brother. We often face minor inconveniences, and we think they, how could God possibly help us? Lord, don't you care? He cared enough to raise him from the dead. He can certainly help us in our troubles. We begin to doubt when the answer doesn't come on schedule, on our schedule. Jesus wants us to believe him that we might see the glory of God. We begin to question, Lord, don't you care? And the answer comes back that nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Doubt wonders if God 
is withholding something from us that we want. And the Lord wants us to, really the clear teaching of Scripture is that He supplies all that we need. When our prayers are delayed and the answer seems to be no, look to the one who raised Lazarus from the grave and believe what the Scripture says that He is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or think. Let's pray. Lord, we are encouraged to see one like Martha, who is so much like us, busy and worried about so many things, troubled and recognizing in small measure what you're able to do, but not realizing the full extent of what you are capable of doing. And Lord, we want to see our faith exercised in such a way that we see the glory of God, see you manifest your glory in in ways that we never expected. Lord, when we think of the, the verse that talks about how you are able to do not just what we ask or think, but exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think. Lord, we just bow our hearts and we say to you, to God be the glory. Lord, you are great and you are greatly to be praised. And we want, Lord, our lives to reflect um, how great you are. Lord, we thank you that so often you answer our prayers immediately. So often you answer our cries really almost instantly. Lord, we thank you for that. But Lord, in these times when there are delays, when there are difficulties and sorrows associated with waiting, Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us, Lord, to wait on you and to trust you uh, for the answer to come. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. And the evidence is so clear from the scripture and so clear from what you did on the cross for us. We pray, Lord, that we would never lose sight of that. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.